millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Break, break, break. Bulldog 7, this is Blue 1. Troops in contact. Coordinates to follow. Platoon location as follows. Uniform three five five eight. Fower three two one. How copy over. Hey there, welcome to Warrior U. Join retired Special Forces Officer Bram Connolly as he explores resilience, mental toughness, high-performing habits and other aspects that are required to develop a warrior mindset. Warrior U, it's the performance edge. Hey gang, have you checked out Aussie Strength? It's a company that makes legit workout equipment and it's a veteran-owned business who are not only controlling the narrative but controlling the market. These guys put as much passion and effort into their business as they put into their military service. They have rigs, bumper plates, in fact, thousands of things on their website for all you fitness fanatics. If you're considering fitting out a home gym or a large-scale industrial-type gym, then they've got everything you need. And you just have to check out their website. It's amazing. I'm not joking. I approached these guys to do an advert for them. Truly. I was that impressed by their company. Check out the website. And if you use the code WARRIOR10, that's WARRIOR10, you'll get 10% off your purchase. That's Aussie Strength. Check out their Instagram too. Some great motivational content. Let's get on with the show. Yeah, right. So... Joining me today on the Warrior U podcast is Tony Rich. Some of you may or may not know Tony. In line with talking to people about um, high-performing jobs and high-performing teams and and the like, I thought I'd take a little bit of a different approach and talk to a, uh, well, we'll talk to Tony and I'll explain more about who Tony is in a moment. Um, now, I knew that Tony was into music but it wasn't until we were holidaying together in Greece uh, last year when he casually leant over the table and says to me, oh, yeah, that's like when I won that Grammy. <laughs> Bro, I didn't say it like that. Did yeah. I say it like that? Yeah, it was probably a little, it was a little politer than that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was... I think at the I think at the time I was telling you how awesome I was because I'd been awarded a DSM or something like that. Basically, we were talking about yeah, we we were just sharing information. Yeah, so I was talking <laughs> about the Distinguished Service Medal and, ex, and explaining what that was and, yeah. and and just the fact that it was a team effort and blah blah blah. And yeah. I think you went along and said something along the lines of um, that must have been a great <laughs> experience, you know, receiving that kind of like the time that um, that I won that Grammy and. Um, <laughs> And of course, of course, I've gone. What the fuck, you? What the? Because <laughs> I'd known you a long time, and then, and then, and then you proceeded to tell me about the uh, some of the other nominations that you'd had, and some of the artists. Oh yeah. Some of the artists that you've actually written music for, which I think 
But um, anyway, just give me a bit of a rundown on yourself, Tony, and so that so the listeners can can get a sense of first of all the fact the fact was the song that you won the Grammy for I actually knew, <laughs> and I uh, didn't tell uh, didn't really share this information at the time, but may or may not have had some romantic interludes to said song. <laughs> anyway, go go on, man. Tell us about yourself. You know, it's funny because I would say, you know, you know that saying, I don't want to toot my own horn. That's something that a musician can never say because yeah. we always play our instruments, right? So that's exactly what we do. But it's one of those things where um, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who was a former NBA champ, four-time NBA champ. And, and he, was, he was telling me in a conversation that he had with another ball player, um, and that ball player said to him, well, you're just mad because you're not, it's, I'm more famous than you. And he looks at him, my friend looks at him and says, I never want to be famous. I just wanted to be rich. And playing pro basketball made me rich and famous. And I, and I look at him, I said, yeah, that's, that's how I think about it in music where um, I, w- I just wanted to be a songwriter, producer, but behind the scenes. I, I really never wanted to do the artist thing. Because that would involve me socializing mm. with people and having to stand before people, which was something that I wasn't really, really good at. And I knew I wasn't, I know I didn't have like great, like socializing people skills because I, I was extremely shy. Mm. So I was like, no. So, but that's how I got into it. It was me by way of me writing and producing for other artists. That then led to some small frustrations with the things I had to deal with with record labels after I produced a song on an artist like it was Boyz II Men this was the turning point Mm. I produced a song on Boyz II Men and I knew it was going to be a great album because all these other producers were on it so I'm like yo this is this would be good company I want to work on this project and then when it was the song was done the A&R person the label just kept telling me all these things that I needed to change and that sparked my interest to say I just want to do my own record so one of the so I had written like maybe three or four songs for that project. And then I went to my brother, I said, yo, you know, that song you wrote last year, I want to put that on my album. And that song was Nobody Knows. Yeah. And which was, you know, the way he wrote it, he wrote it as a country song. And so I said, yeah, I want to I want to do that song. And that that was the start of it. And that album, that single all led to four Grammy nominations and then a Grammy win. Yeah. And, and it all happened in the course of a year. So you, Antonio Jeffries is your actual name. That's my legal name, yeah. Your legal name. So where did the, where did the name uh, Tony Rich come from? It's, it's interesting, man, because I, I use this. I work with an agent that's based in Brisbane, mm. and his name is Neil Richards, mm. right? I said, Neil, did I ever tell you that my last name was Richards up until, I, until age 21? He said, no, I mean, you never told me that. My mother's maiden name is Richards, mm. so, but my mother never used her married name of Jeffries. Mm. So all of my brother's last names are Richards, mm. and my mom still used Richards. So at 21, I changed my last name to Jeffries. But leading up into that point, you know, people always like to, you know, come up with these nicknames. So mm. I was known growing up, I was known as Antonio Richards, then Tony Richards, and then eventually Tony Rich. Yeah. 
So that's where that comes from. Like there's there's no gimmick behind it. Like, hey, I call myself Tony Rich because I'm rich. No, it was that's mm. short for Antonio Richards. Just just so it happens that just sort yeah. of fits the richness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, so that's where that comes from. You, you, but what I like is like the Tony Rich project. Yeah. I mean, you coined the phrase project. Like as in as in this is my project. Twenty, thirty years, twenty years. Let's say let's say at least twenty, maybe more years before anyone started doing that sort of stuff. Well, you know what? That was the way I came up with that name was at the time I was work. I started working on my album as a solo artist. I was working on so many different artists, hmm. and at that time, that was right before the term, right before they killed off cassette tapes. Hmm. So whenever we would work on songs, and we wanted to listen to a playback of what we were working on, we would always put them on cassette tape. So I would always write on the cassette tapes just so I would know what was for me. Mm. I would just write down, okay, this is the Tony Rich project. Yeah. I put no thought into it. And then when it came down to to name the album, it was like the Tony Rich project words. Mm. So that's how, that's how that came about. And then it was like after that, I, I remember... I remember the name, the Alan Parsons Project. Mm. But yeah, that was like, it's, the way a lot of these things came about was just, it was pretty natural. Mm. Yeah. It just so happened to be like, I would just write that on cassette tapes all the time. And then it looked good. So I said, I'm sticking with that. We'll get, we'll get around to some of the music stuff in a minute. But first of all, I'm just going to get you on record. Um, so you and, you and I are good friends, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go. But <laughs> having said but, that, having said that, I feel like we wouldn't have been good friends if we'd met 20 years ago because I'm a meat-eating paleo <laughs> brute that likes to, you know, shoot, move, communicate, basically kill, yeah, yeah. kill shit. And you're a soft-spoken, artistic, you know, vegan. Drum roll. Vegan. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and I found, so most of, our, most of the holiday that we spent together, I'm like, Hey man, yeah, no, I'll just I'll just eat a salad. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a falafel burger. Yeah, and then one night we're out, and I'm like, <laughs> no, Jesus, man, I'm gonna eat this steak. Yeah, and you and you what and you watch anyway. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> I feel no, bad. That doesn't. You know what? That doesn't. That never bothers me. Like what mm. someone else is eating. Mm. I think I think I evolved out of being that kind of vegan many many years ago because yeah. i realized it's my choice you know mm. like i remember i at one point i wanted my two oldest children at the time to be vegan but their mom was not having it mm. and then eventually at some point uh many years after that she had become vegan and all of a sudden they were vegan as well but that was only for a year <laughs> so i came to grips with the fact that you know everybody has their own choices and whatever types of diets and workouts they want to do, mm. um, that was just my path. Hey, man, more power to you. And you, you've taught me a few things about nutrition <laughs> on that holiday um, and, and things that I didn't realize that you couldn't have. Anyway, let's get off that topic because it's just, yeah, making, yeah, yeah. Me, it's just making me hungry. Um, <laughs> you've written for Tony Braxton, Boys to Men, uh, TLC. Tell me you wrote Waterfalls. I did not ah, write waterfalls, but I'm gonna tell you this: there are certain songs that I that I hear even still to this day yeah. that I wish I wrote it. Yeah, and right. waterfalls is one of those songs I wish that I wrote. Funny because in in the building of a your discography resume or whatever you want to call it in music, 
I was always, well, no, initially I wasn't that picky about who I worked on, yeah. but I was kind of sort of. Mm. It's like when I did Boys to Men, it was because I knew that Babyface was producing on it. I knew that Jimmy and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were producing on it. These guys named Tim and Bob. So I was like, and Dallas Awesome, like, yo, mm. I just got a feeling this is going to be a big record. Yeah. And that album sold like 14 million copies. Yeah. Now, 14 million copies, and I had one song on it that I wrote 100% of. The thing about it as a producer, yeah, that was going to give me some some notoriety I needed as a songwriter and publisher. going to put a lot of money in my pocket. Mm. And, and, it, and it set me up as a, as a producer. Um, but... TLC, I, the only thing I did on TLC, I don't know why it was ever written that I wrote for them because I didn't. I never, I wrote for T-Boz, but she never put the record out because we were working on a solo mm. record for T-Boz for TLC. But I did, I did remixes for them. Mm. Um, I did remixes for them, Spice Girls, mm. all kind of stuff like that. I produced a record on Elton John, which was for tribute for Curtis Mayfield. Wow. That was an interesting project. Did some Aaron Neville stuff. I became very, very picky once I started doing my own records because yeah. I just didn't have a whole lot of time just producing anybody. What was the music scene like in the early 90s? <clears throat> you know, what was it? I mean, there was gangster rap, you know, there was all this sort of, you know, colors, all that sort of stuff. And then there's, then there's yourself working on these other projects. Was it, was it hard to get a, was it hard to get a foot in the door in those early years before Nobody Knows? And, um, and, and, you know, did you find that, did you find that tough navigating through that space? Not a, you know what the '90s, the '90s era for music in general. Because when I got in, it was '93, so just before like mid '90s, right? It was the it was one of the best times to actually walk into the music industry because mm. R and B music number one was has always been a a huge genre, but at that point in time, it was the market share was so high, right? So you had you had so then and there was a lot more uh, independent R&B labels. I just so happened to be an artist that put together an album that wasn't an R&B album, but I was on an R&B label. So then when it came down to the Grammy nomination, I was put in the category of the R&B category. Yeah. Nobody knows this was never a R&B hit. It was a pop hit, but it, no, it wasn't. It wasn't hard to navigate because I was with a great label. That was like sort of like being at a university because mm. there was a, we had standards, man. Like when it came down to uh, the quality of the songwriting, the quality of the production, it wasn't going to leave the door until it was at a certain point. Yeah. And that was in artist development and things like that. So there was a, I had, I had a pretty good structure of a label to give me a really good, great launch into it. And so, some people might not know what song we're talking about if they've been living under a rock. You're gonna, yeah, yeah. you're gonna, you're gonna bang out a couple of lines, mate, or what? <laughs> Come on! No, no. <laughs> Come I knew on. you were gonna say. Come on, let's saying. go. Two lines. <laughs> no, this. Yeah, you do it or I'll do it, and I will not do it justice, my friend. <laughs> Come on, let's go. <laughs> no, that's funny. Don't be I'm shy. Three, I gotta two. One. As I'm done with you, I got to rehearse because I got a show down in, uh, coming yeah. up in Melbourne on Thursday. I'm not going to get you to do this, am I? You're not going to do it. What? Tony Rich, international bloody superstar Grammy Award winner, not going to sing on the Warrior You podcast. I'm going to tell you why. You ready for it? Go on. It's better be good, dude. There's 35,000 no, people listening 50, to this. Anywhere from 50 to 5 million people. I am not nervous. But when it gets down to like one or two people, well, I'm... Terrified, bro. I reckon that 
I reckon the reason you're not going to do it is because that you don't have like the room full of candles, and you don't have the the lights down low. <laughs> no, Peter's, I don't need the candles. Peter's not Peter's not there massaging your feet while you're singing. No, that's what's funny. Someone Peter said, with like, an A. Betty sings to you all the time. She's yeah. like, no, he just makes sounds. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Which is true. I'm always making sounds, but I don't like. I don't walk around singing. It's it's funny because I kind of sneak it in. Like sometimes, like when I'm recording and she'll leave the house and come back. And I was like, let's see these vocals I recorded. Mm. She's like, when did you record the vocals? When you ran to the store. Wait a minute. I've only been gone for 20 minutes. Mm. <laughs> you just recorded the whole song? So yes, I got to get it in where, I fit, where it fits in. Like, mm. you know? What's the process for, for writing a song? Like, do you do you sit there and go, oh, I've got this great idea. I'm just going to go through this. Do you, do you sit there and go, I've got this great idea. I'm in this certain mood. This sounds like a really good structure of words together. This is what the words will look like. And then I'll worry about the rhythm and, and the music backing later. Or do you, which is sort of similar to how I would write a book. Or do you, or is there a bit, a different system to that, a more structured system? No, you know what? Actually, Bram, it's like, it's, you can relate to it because you're a writer. Right. So, Writing a script, book, song, it's all, I think everybody, I think I think for creatives, our inspiration, we never really, we don't have control over where the inspiration is going to come from. Yeah, you can't but switch it off. Hmm. The way that we take the inspiration and find a way to shape that into whatever we're creating, hmm. there's always a method, right? Hmm. And I never have the same method, but sometimes... Sometimes I have this this feeling, as I describe it, as feeling like I'm impregnated with an idea for a song. And the more I blind myself to what I think the outcome is going to be, the better it turns out. Mm. So when I sit down to write, sometimes I start with drums, sometimes I start with guitar chords, sometimes I start with piano chords, or um, or it could just be a vocal idea. Mm. And then what happens is I have enough respect for the process of being honest with myself and knowing that, okay, it's like painting, like when I paint, when I'm, when I'm doing fine art, is that there's an element that I control and then there's a, another piece of it where I have to be willing to obey. Mm. Like, okay, let's see where this goes. Mm. And with music, I do it that way and I do it with paint as well. So it's like, it depends on what the concept is that I want to go with as far as if it's an, if it's an album. Mm. And usually that's what happens I'm always writing songs, but when it's time to do an album, I say, okay, what is this concept I want? What do I want to talk about? Um, what do I want the the common theme? Or is there a common theme? Or is there a variety of things that kind of go to this one point? How do I want to, what I want it, what do I want it to sound like? What are the main elements? Like on my last record, I wanted these particular types of guitar sounds and small string quartet. Mm. So no matter what the songs I wrote, when I was done with all those songs, I then sent the songs to my string arranger and to this guy who plays guitar in a particular way that I love in South Africa. I sent it to them and then I just wait for them to send back, mm. you know, just to color what I've already done, you know. So process is different each time. Yeah. Like I would, I'd be, I'd be walking along and, and it might be a summer evening with storms sort of rolling in and then you get those big, big raindrops just slowly starting and they're thumping into the, into the dust you know and then they're, yeah. and they're making the dust sort of spit up a little bit like that and i'll see something like that and go shit man i need to be able to i need to articulate that in a book and, and it yeah. might take three or four hundred words of description but i know that the reader is going to hear 
those words yeah. come from me and in their mind's eye I'm going to capture that moment and I'm I'm wondering so, if it's the same for you with music it's like man I've got this rhythm I've got these words in my head and I, and I need to work out a way to articulate it through music uh-huh. so that yeah. in the mind's eye of the listener he's hearing or she's hearing the same thing because yeah because when you think about it what we're doing is in description with words and only difference is in a song is, is melody added to the words but mm. We are using our ability to paint pictures with words mm. to the point when people are listening and when they're reading, they can actually see what we're describing because we see it because we're using it. It's just like when I was, I was telling Peter about like poetry. Like when I write poetry, it's like it's all about bringing people into that space for that moment where they can see when I'm, when I'm, the words that I'm using to, to paint this picture, and yeah. I, I love doing that with music because when I'm, when I really get into a song, I am in the, I'm in, the, I'm always in a certain place. Like, you know, this feels like, like you said, like with rain, like, oh, this feels like I'm out in a field somewhere, and I'm, uh, um, I'm riding a horse or something. It's like I can see the visuals of it, mm. and the, the sound of the music is giving me that feeling, and also the words. And I'm going to use a combination of those things to bring about this picture that when people listen to it, it's going to affect how they feel mm. and it's going to affect their vision. Mm. That's the, you know, that's, that's always the aim. I always aim to do that with intention. You said that you, you know, that you write poetry and I, and I know you do. And I'm, and I wonder if that is a, is a good help for a songwriter. Cause obviously there's a lot of, um, yeah. there's a lot of songs that, that have a rhyming part to them that it just sounds better on the year when it's sung that way. But I've got to say, Nicki Minaj, stop. Like, just stop. Stop rhyming every second bloody word. It's killing me. <laughs> you know what's so funny? Is that I have never... I'm trying to think. Like, when, like when, I, read, when I read my song lyrics after I've finished a song, there's rarely any rhymes, Right? Because the way I look at it is like I want to say it in a raw form, so I'm not. And if and to make it rhyme, you have to put a lot of thought into mm. creating rhymes. Mm. And so when I write my lyrics, I'm 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 not even aiming at that. I'm like I'm just trying to say what I want to say. Mm. I don't care about it rhyming. What's it like when, when I you... hear people rhyme like that? I'd be like, oh, you really didn't have yeah, to you didn't have anything. You just chucked in a filler. <laughs> What's yeah, uh, what was it like? So with Boys to Men, for instance, which um, yeah. you know, huge band in the in the nineties, especially up in Townsville, if you're a young soldier trying to um, impress the ladies. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, what, what's it like writing a song for you know international superstars like that, and then and then having feedback from them? It was see initially I wasn't trying to write a song for Boys to Men. The song that I did on Boys to Men was actually for my for my album. Mm. It's just that the co-producer, when he heard it, because he, it was L.A. Reid had got called to do to work on the Boysman project, and he said, "Hey man, I think you should put I sit away on Boysman." Mm. And I was like, oh, "Man, I wanted to keep that for myself." But then once I did the research to see who else was going to be on the project, I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and put this on here because this will help me as a." I felt like it was going to give me a little more momentum for my project. Um, what was the song, Tony? It's called I Sit Away. Yeah, okay. And so when the feedback came from the label, the 
Motown, it was just they just wanted me to change some instrumentation. And I was trying to figure out why, but it was they were trying to make sure that the production of my song didn't sound like the production of another song that was written and produced after mm. they recorded my song. Ah, okay. Mm. And it was a song. It was a Babyface song by the uh, by the name of uh, "Water Runs Dry." And my song was very stripped down, acoustic guitar, basic drums, and so they wanted me to make it sound a little more involved. Mm, mm. I didn't like that feedback. Mm. But what I did love, I love that the song was heard by at least 13 million, 14 million people. No big deal. I love that. Mm. And what's so funny is still to this day, like um, getting ready for the show in, in Melbourne in a couple of days, the guitar player that I hired out of Sydney, he said, Man, I never knew because I perform the song now in my shows. He says, I never knew that you did that song. I'm like, a lot of people didn't know. Because once I did the Tony Rich project, um, it was it was almost like I started over. Yeah. It was in, in the industry, a lot of people didn't know that, hey, I you know I was producing. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And other people, you know, up until this point, people didn't know that. Yeah. I forget. Yeah. So... It was cool though. What about what about listening to, you know, like Rage Against the Machine and Metallica and song, you know, music, music like that, bands like that back in the day? Did you ever listen to any of that sort of music and go, "Damn, I just want to yeah. write something that's got like this wicked step up beat to it that has a, you know, that and then and yeah. then you know you know what I mean? That sort of that stuff that yeah. gets you amped up. And I know that that I I can you know I've known you long enough to know that I sense that there's this like rocker inside you as well, you know. Oh, definitely for sure. The thing about it is growing up, when I started creating music, I firmly believed in creating whatever I felt like expressing at the time. Mm. So I never had a, that's why I never liked when when I would be described as any genre. I never really liked that, but I understood why labels were being put there because sometimes people just need a reference point. Mm. But I used to listen to a lot of rock music growing up. Like, my influences were not just R&B artists. I listened to a lot of Prince, and you know Prince is not... Prince does R&B, but he's not an R&B artist. Um, I, just, I listened to a lot of Sting. Sting was my... That was my guy. Mm. Bruce Springsteen. I used to listen to a lot of Bruce Springsteen, you know? Yeah. So when I did my Resurrected album, that was my f- third album, there was a lot of... There's a lot of rock elements on that record. Yeah, the guitar players that I, the guitar player that I used, even the mix engineer was he's he's mix uh, rock music. So you're right. I like I have. There's a lot of things that I was really more so able to express easily in live shows than on recordings. But once I did that record, I was like, yeah. And that's the f- beautiful freedom that I like is that I can do whatever I want. I always I've always been able to just do whatever I wanted and not feel like I need to stick to just one genre of music. Yeah, I have to apologize to the listeners at the moment. There's a person chainsawing something next door, and there's no way in hell I'm going to get this off of the off the sound. Oh, I can't even hear it. Yeah, you can't. I can, and it'll come through <laughs> in the recording. 
Hey, um, speaking of Bruce Springsteen, um, so about oh, 10 years ago now, my wife and I went to uh, Bon Jovi in Sydney. Yeah. And yeah. Um, before, and you know, Richie Sambora has got to be one of my all-time favorite guitarists. I mean, it brings me to yeah. tears when you go Great and watch guy, him man. live. Yeah, just incredible. Um, in fact, we saw him again a few weeks ago, and you know the the, bond, the the concert itself wasn't that great. The sound wasn't that great, but when Richie Sambora gets up and and makes that guitar sing, you know it's incredible. Probably must be the best guitarist in the world, close to it. Anyway, um, yeah, I wasn't that big into Bon Jovi at the time back ten years ago. You know, um, knew a couple mm-hmm. of songs. Um, anyway, I went and uh, thought I better, you know, get a CD and and listen to all the songs and everything in the car on the way to and from work at the time. And, yeah. you know, so that we'd get there and I'd be able to, you know, crank out the tunes with the best of them. And then um, we're about halfway through the concert and I turned to Jackie and I went, when's he going to play Born in the USA? <laughs> and Jackie's like, oh, buddy, what, what have you been listening to? And I said, Bruce Springsteen. And she goes, it's Bon Jovi. <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> I've been listening to the wrong album for the last you know, three, <laughs> three months. You know what's so funny about that is someone asked me about a song. It's Champagne brand. I was at this I was at this bar the other night, checking out a friend of my friend Matt playing. And this guy just walks up to me, starts talking, and he said something about it was a it was a song by Journey. But he starts singing it. And he said, What would you say if you heard that? I'd be like, that's Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if I had it in the head because I knew that y'all had just saw Bon Jovi. Yeah. But I was like, yo, this is funny. But it's funny. I remember I did um, VH1 in, in the States. They had this um, this program that they called, um, it was called City of Hope. Mm. Okay? And it was a charity fundraiser. And the president of VH1 was being honored. Mm. And he had part of this, this um, event to honor him. He wanted, his dream was to have what he called the world's greatest garage band. Mm. Okay. So I get the call if I want to be a part of it. I say yes, because I was a VH1 kid. I was always on that network, MTV and VH1. I was all over those networks. So when I see the lineup of who the band was, this is who it was. Richie Sambor, Hmm. Eddie Van Halen, Bobby Keys, Melissa Etheridge, Tony Rich, Sheryl Crow. uh, Oh, my goodness. Max Weinberg, drummer. Yeah. Narrative Michael Walden is another drummer. Michelle Ndega, cello on bass. Um, Steve Winwood. No way. And when I tell you, it was so awesome because we were all, um, and we and we did all these songs from the like sixties and seventies, man. And it was it was all covers, but it was man, it was one of the best. It was one of the best. Oh, who else was it? Um, Brian Adams was in it too. Um, it was awesome, man. We did like maybe like ten songs, and everybody kind of switch around. Like, so we had a group of vocalists, we had guitar players. And it, it was awesome. That's when I met Richie Sambora, man. He's just like one of the nicest guys. And Eddie Van Halen was a pretty nice dude too. Man. Mm. We but it was uh, awesome to see them play like that. So, Richie Sambora, Tony Rich, Bram Connolly, Hawaii, 2019 boys get together. You up for it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do That'd this. Great, I'll bring man. my I'll bring my acoustic and I'll uh, I'll show him how to play a uh, G. Um, <laughs> you have a do you have we, an acoustic guitar? You, you know I've got two of them. I just can't play them. Hey, um, uh-huh. what do you what would you say? Obviously, I know the answer to this already. But yeah. what would you say is the greatest and best song ever written? 
And I'm going to say Tribute by Tenacious D. But anyway. <laughs> you know what, man? Hold on. Hey, come on. That's a hard question How many people get because to fuck with a Grammy Award winner like that? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. How many people get to fuck with a Grammy Award winner like that? Well, you, but no, the, the greatest thing and best is song. because it's so many. Man, I can think of I can think of so many songs that are so great that I wish I wrote those songs. Mm. I mean, I would just be proud and be like, yes, mm, yeah, mm. I, I wrote that. Mm. Wow, man, it's uh, I'm trying to think of. It's, it's just too many for me to pick one. Because if I think of certain artists, and I think of certain songs from those yeah. artists. With Prince, "Purple Rain" is yeah, that's the best song he ever wrote. Yeah. Out of all the songs he's written, I read something um, the other day about um, every generation picks picks a pop star. You know, every generation just picks a pop star. I mean, yeah. ar- arguably in America, I guess Justin Bieber's been been picked by all the young girls. You know, about ten five year five years ago. Um, mm. You know, and going back in time, you know, you've got Elvis and yeah, but it's interesting. You know what? It's the songs, man. I think the greatest songs are the ones... Ed Sheeran, obviously, at the moment, is up there with, with some of the best songwriters. Yeah, it's, it's the songs that never go away are the greatest songs. Because they never go away because people never get tired of them. Mm. And that's a rare thing. Like, when your song gets covered more than once, that's a great song. Yeah. My song, Nobody Knows, been covered 15 times. Wow. Is that right? In 20, in 20 years, Yes. And I mean, in multiple languages and everything, Mm. it was covered. It was covered by a country artist within the first six months of me putting it out. Yeah, they couldn't even wait. You know what I'm saying? They couldn't wait till my project was over. Like, no, I got to record this now. So when I see songs that get covered, when someone says, "I want to do this song," I want to do that song. Mm. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, This new album that you've done is yeah, it's super expressive. Yeah, and it's probably would this be would this be the most uh, artistic album that you've ever written, do you think? Well, I would say most artistic. Also, there's a, there's another element to it. There's a really good friend of mine who actually was the sound engineer when I did my very first album. Um, when I sent to, when I sent the mixes to him to check out my mixes, he was like, "Man," he said, "This album takes me back to when you did your first one." Mm. Because see, the difference was, was when I did my first album. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing what felt right. That's not good then Whereas, if this latest one's the same as that first one. <laughs> huh? If this, if this latest one is similar to the first one, you didn't know what the hell you were doing on the first one and then you've gone and <laughs> done... In, well, see, in, the, difference, the yeah. difference is, is that I, with, with Encaustic, I'm, I was fully aware of what I was doing. What is the name, Encaustic? I mean, acoustic and... Yeah. Encaustic is actually... Um, it means... To, it's a, actually, a, it's a Greek meaning to burn in. It was for a long time, many, many years ago, hundreds of years ago, that was the, that was the common way to do um, oil paintings. Mm. They would use beeswax and, and you torch it. Mm. Um, and you would burn in, you would burn the paint into the wax and it would give it this 3D type of yeah. three-dimensional effect. So when I was working on um, that album, I chose that title because at that time I was experimenting w- with some um, some encaustic methods and, and some artwork, and I just love the whole idea of layers because when you when you're doing encaustic, you look into the image and you can see the layers, and some layers are way in the back and kind of faint, and then you have ones that are really up close and sharp, and that that was like 
the whole concept of how I felt, um, how I feel about our lives in general. Most times, you know, life is like a mix and you're just trying to balance the sound so you can hear everything you want to hear, how you want to hear it. Yeah. And the panning and all that, you know. So that's where that that's where that title came from. What's your what's your favorite song on that album? All right. So. <laughs> on Acoustic, it's only eight songs. Ooh. Well, I'll tell you this. One of my favorites. I feel like there's some hidden meanings in some of them. Well, it. Which I which I do, I fully get that because I do the same thing. Things that mean something to you. True, it's only one song that's very direct. Lover is very direct. Mm, yeah. When I wrote Lover, Pete and I just started dating, mm. and I remember when I wrote the lyrics to that song, I was I was in the I was in the lobby of this building I was living in in Atlanta, and I was and I was just walking in a circle, and I came up with the, the lyrics for that. Mm-hmm. And that was that was actually the second piece of music that I wrote that was inspired by her. And so that one just that one is pretty direct because I remember the first time she referred to me as lover and the way she said it and in her Aussie accent, I was like, I was just like, say that one more time, you know. So from that point, I, I built a song based around how she called me lover, mm-hmm. and we called each other lover all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that song is a very direct one. But all the other songs were like, the Grays is one of my favorites mm-hmm. because. It reminds me so much of Pete and I went to see this movie, this Will Smith movie, Collateral Beauty. And in it, Will Smith has his, you know, his gray hair and his beard. And when I saw it, I looked at her and said, oh, when I get to the house, I'm going to write a song called The Grays. Mm. She goes, the what? The Grays. I was like, I'm not talking about gray hair, though. But that's what made me think of it was seeing the gray hair in his chin. Mm. But as we were going home, Riding passes, you know, I could see the cattle out in the fields or whatever. And I was thinking, like, wow, animals eat. When you watch cattle eat, it's like they, they're very relaxed and they chill. It's mm-hmm. like, so I started thinking about life, and th- that that sent me into this thought about getting older and accepting you know, you, that and not you, seeing it as a bad thing. Tony, you know that's embracing my... Embracing wisdom. You know you that's know? my food, eating your food, man. You see, That's your food, eating my food? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The Grays was actually that was that's one of my favorite songs. I have yet to perform that one live, but that's one of my favorites. Yeah, cool. And Will Smith, I, I love I love that whole. It's good album, to see good to see Will Smith inspiring you to write music, mate. Hey, man! Uh, like when I go see movies, I actually I get inspired by certain things I see in movies. Mm. Like you seen him in Enemy of the State. Enemy of the State with Will Smith. That was like a 1990s something, maybe 95 or 6, I don't know. Oh, yeah, that was a great movie. Yeah, I mean, that was 20 years ahead of its time for the stuff that it was telling us happens as well. Exactly. Yeah. That was an awesome movie. Mm. Yeah, because who was that? Was, uh, was that? was that Gene Hackman in that movie? Wasn't yeah, it? that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. What are you working on at the moment? Well, what I'm working on now is, so I got, I am in the, and you can relate to this, I'm in that 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 space in my head where I'm thinking about what I want my next album to sound like. Mm. I've written a bunch of pieces of music, but only maybe one or two that are like sticking out to me that sounds like it fits into that concept. I've got a feeling it's going to be something like um, the start of the Disturbed album, you know, with all the sirens and the dogs howling and... No, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't I told Peter the night, I said, hey, I just want to let you know. Because I, I had this leather hat she got me for my birthday. Yeah. Uh, it's a killer hat, but it 
I said, because Academy has like a cowboy type look to it. I said, listen, my next album is going to be country. Yeah, cool. And That's she cool. looks at me like, <laughs> Man, you know, she hates country. You right? sell a lot of well, albums in Australia, my friend. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, so I'm in that thought process. But once I once I get back here on Friday, well, next week I'll um, I'll start building. I'm about, to, I'm about to do some more artwork. I got an idea, man. Let's go to the Tamworth Country Music Festival together. The where? We'll go to the Tamworth Country Music Festival together. You know about this yet? Where is that at? Oh my God, you don't know about the Tamworth Country Music Festival? No. Jesus. Where is it? The fuck have you been living? Oh yeah, New York and Manhattan and shit. Um, yeah, the Tam... Or Atlanta or where it is. Somewhere. Where, where is it? No, where is this festival? In Tamworth. Where is Tam... I don't know what that is. Oh my. Where is that? Do you know... Have you not heard of... Have you not heard of Nicole Kidman, at least? Yeah. You do know who her husband is? Yep. Keith Urban, right? Right. Yeah. Well, he he basically is the mayor of Tamworth, isn't he? <laughs> where, where is that in, in location it's, to where I it's am? A, it's in New South Wales. Okay. And it's But it's at the top end of New South Wales going towards Queensland border up that way. It's in the country. Oh, okay. okay and they have a okay. huge country music festival there. It's massive. And you're like... Really? Yeah. See, I didn't. Huge. I wasn't. Here's the thing. Was it's so like funny. our. It's like our version of the American. You know, the American country music festival they have. Yeah. When is it? Only ours is better. Uh, I don't know. Let's Google it, man. Hang on. I'll get my assistant to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> is her name Siri? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait until this podcast is actually listened by anyone where I can afford to like video it and stuff. Friday the 18th of January January to the Sunday the 27th of January. Thanks, assistant. No worries, bro. 27th of January. Yeah, so the 18th to the 27th. Oh, you know, this was so funny. We'll go, okay. I'll pick you up. We'll drive up there. I'll take... Uh, yeah, okay. I'll take a, one of those harmonica things. You bring your smooth... Yeah, hey, voice. check it out. But I'm going I'm to play a joke on Peter and be like, hey, so listen, uh, I want you to go to this country music festival wouldn't you? you've been invited tell her you've been invited as a as a dignitary <laughs> she'll be like she'll be like i'll tell you tell you're getting a reward hey, think about it i go to stuff that i don't really want to go to that i don't really like all the time because i just like being with you so it's like hey you need to just come to- <laughs> she'll be like no way <laughs> tell her that i'm going really she good. despises country music i love country music they tell some country music tells some of the best stories bro yeah. Some of the best lyrical stories. Have you heard of James Blundell? Janice. James. Wait. James Blundell. James. Yeah. Blundell? James Blundell. Wait a minute. How do you spell his last name? B-L-U-N-D-E-L-L, I think. Yeah. Right. He was a, a 1990s um, country music singer. Wait a minute. He did a great song, I think, called... Oh, the Dusty Diamantina or something like that. If I find it, I'll send it to you. But yeah, yeah, yeah good yeah. music. Mm. Showing a little bit of my background here. Man, there was a song. There's one of my favorite country songs called The, um, the Little Girl mm. by John Michael Montgomery. Um, I love me some Ryan Bingham too. Ryan Bingham is pretty dope. I actually performed one of his, one of his songs when I, in my sets. It's a song called um, The Weary Kind pretty dope i love country music where can people find your album man the album is on itunes it's on apple music so it's on title it's on google it's on amazon uh youtube is everywhere yeah and it's everywhere 
And your paintings, are they for sale as well? Um, you know what I'm doing? Yeah, my paintings are for sale. I have them like on my the uh, Tony Rich Artwork Instagram page. But I'm about to do my first showing here mm. in Canberra mm. in 2019. So that's going to be fun. Cool. Because what I'm about to do next week is I'm actually having some wood panels. Because mm. my next 10 pieces are going to be done on wood. Wow. And... Um, but I'm going to show about maybe 20 pieces. And the reason why I'm doing them on wood is because there's a certain way I want to finish them. Mm. which they'll have like a resin finish mm. and the canvas just doesn't really support the weight of that sometimes. Yeah. Those are my next projects is there's a record, uh, another record. And then I got, um, the, you know, my artwork business. I'm really, really putting, yeah, putting my push into that because yeah. it takes a while to accumulate enough pieces. And then you got to figure like, okay, now it's time to do a show. Yeah. Just to get it out there, I'm uh, I'm I'm writing a new Matt Ricks book at the moment. The the third yeah. the third book, and in the book there's a character. He's a um he's a he's a black soul singer uh, yeah. from Manhattan, and he's a vegan. Yeah. He's a vegan, and um yeah, and he's basically you know he's Matt saves him on a cruise liner while he was doing a show, and then yeah. and then the two of them are fighting all of these Italian mafia. Because they're trying to steal the rights to his latest album. That sounds pretty cool. Are you serious? Are you joking? No, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> Shall I do that though? <laughs> so for a second, I'm thinking like I'm gonna call him. Yeah, this, uh, this sounds a little evil. Both of thinking like, but no, yeah, no. It's a thing you do with your eyes when I know you're joking. Matt has to. Like, mm-hmm. Matt has to teach him how to use a pistol, and you know, like you know, and then, yeah. he, and then he sees every time he sees a side of blood. You know, like faints and shit. <laughs> um, hey, man, is there anything I can do to, to help you or is there anything you want to say to the 35,000-odd people who download this podcast every week? Oh, no, I have something to say to you. Go on. It's scary. This, doing this with you has inspired me Okay. because it reminded me. Mm. Tell me if this ever happens to you. Sometimes, the only time I ever feel anything remote to boredom is when I think about the long list of things that I need to do. Yeah. I'll feel like I got a million things to do. <sighs> Which one am I going to start with? Uh, I don't know. It's overwhelming. So I, I have mm. been wanting to start doing my podcast mm. for the last two years. Mm. I just haven't started it. I just hadn't done it. Mm. And sometimes that happens with me with, with certain projects, mm. it, when it's, especially when it's outside of when it's outside of music and art. It's, it's other things I want to do because is- I do talk a lot, but... The thing with the podcast is, um, you know, it's still super creative, actually. It's yeah. a creative outlet. And and I, while I do do a fair bit of editing on the podcast, yeah. I don't edit out the the relationships or, the or you know, I try and keep all that stuff fairly generic um, and realistic, you know. And and I think that it's a lot of work for, for not much. I mean, I'm lucky I've got, you know, Aussie Strength and Ringers Western and Sword and TACMED that provide sponsorship so so my yeah. my time now because i used to have someone else edit it now my time is covered um because yeah. you know i do this out of hours and stuff but um yeah yeah, yeah so monetarily it's not it's not worth it. it it probably is for those companies just to get a little bit of exposure but it's not not really worth my time but the the finished products and especially you know and you must get this as well you know those messages every now and again like hey that that uh, that podcast changed my life or that podcast yeah. made me think deeper about this thing or 
or that podcast where you just you know where you just talk shit with that vegan you know you're an asshole yeah. why did you why did you have to <laughs> why did you have to bring up that you know like for, right. you know, from some absolute you know <laughs> left hard who can't stand me because I represent everything that they hate when I'm <laughs> when I don't because I'm open you know me I'm I'm as open minded as anything I'm like whatever dude just bloody live, live and let live you know but um, you know, I haven't even told him yet about the fact that you ate a whole falafel blooming burger in front of me when I was starving to death, because you are not a man to be messed with when it comes to hunger. Uh, but um, hey, how good were those? Uh, how good were those quad bikes? Oh, yeah, that was awesome. awesome. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, best holiday I've had in a while. Um, oh man, that was yeah, that was that was that was the bomb, man. I'm yeah. glad we did that before. We had it over to uh, Istanbul. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Hey, Tony Rich, I want to thank you for being on the Warrior You podcast, and we'll 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 do it again live sometime where I can put a guitar in your hand and. Yeah, and, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Although, having said that, I'm probably going to rip off some of your song and put it in this podcast just so people hear it. How much do I have to pay oh, for that? Yeah, it's like twenty million dollars per ten seconds or something, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> or I might just have a crack at it with my guitar, like Smelly Cat, Smelly Cat. <laughs> Smelly car, <laughs> smelly, smelly cat. Remember Friends? It's the only thing. Oh yeah, yeah It's the only yeah. thing Phoebe could play. Um, all right, man. Hey, keep it real. All right, brother. See. Ya. Talk to you. Obstacle racing is all the rage across the world, and here in Australia, we are sport for quality. If you want to test your physical and mental toughness, then get outside and compete in True Grit. It's a military-inspired obstacle course. I know it's legit because I served in Special Forces with a co-founder and Managing Director, Adam McNamee. And to celebrate our bromance, the good dudes at True Grip have created a discount code for listeners of this podcast. Use the code WARRIORU2019, that's WARRIORU2019, for 10% off every one of the 2019 events. And hopefully, I'll see you there wearing one of my Warrior U t-shirts. Catch you, gang. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.